Hey, I'd use my boots to fight any monster. I'm just that kind of person. Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Lieutenant Podcast, brought to you by us over at A to Z Horror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is no one, because Jake's gone. Again. Womp womp. But luckily, I've got someone sitting across from me in cyberspace. It's another guy who could be gauged as B- or A+, based on his farts. It's Mark! Hey! I sound better this week. I got my microphone fixed. Hey, that's good news, but tell me, where's Jake? Um... He disappeared in a cloud of dust, leaving only a letter behind that he, I mean, he didn't really leave it behind. He popped it into our podcast folder. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, should we do a quick reading real quick? Uh, yeah, no, I actually haven't read this yet. Have you? Okay. Um, I have. I okay. Have, I, took a gl- I took a gander, so. Um, it's, yeah, hit me up. It has some interesting things in it. This is titled A Missive Slash Plea from Jake. Oh, boy. Wow. It starts... Uh, and I don't know if you want to key up some some type of music to underscore this thing. I'll let you be the judge on that. But um... Dearest friends, and he adds here parenthetically, including listeners. It is I, Jake. Yes, that Jake. <laughs> the Jake that has lost four of the last five Beers for Fears votes, including one that I lost to another member of the podcast literally not even participating. He's still sore about that one. I have he come sure to see is, the world yeah. in a different way. Yes, more jaded, but that was always going to happen. No, I'm talking about wisdom. I've become, like, super wise. If wisdom were a headband, I'd be Bjorn Borg. I've decided to take some time to collect myself, to meditate, and to heal. And thus I have honorably and heroically excused myself from this week's Beers for Fears competition so that we can all focus on what is most important, choosing a beer that goes with this movie. If you're curious, had I been available to record, I would have purchased a Hitejinro, Korea's original beer. It would have been epic. Hugs and kisses, Jakey. Wow. Yeah, that's what he um, wrote and put in our folder. He now, to that. be clear, he's still going to be an option for the Patreon patrons to vote on, having lost. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he has a point. It's not really fun to do beers for fears where one of them is just like didn't participate. <laughs> that's true. That's a fair play. That's a fair play. For those of you unfamiliar with that crackjack operation, I'm sure that whole thing was very strange. <laughs> but we... Yeah, welcome. But we... <laughs> we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week we watched 2006's The Host, uh, which was a jack pick. I picked this movie. And we will dive into that real soon, and when we do, fair warning, we're going to spoil the nonsense out of it. And if you like what we do and want to support the podcast, you can head on over to patreon.com slash a to z horror, A-T-O-Z horror, and support the show at your level of choosing. But hey, if you can't swing that right now or just don't want to, no worries. We're still going to be bringing you this same regular podcast every week, and we appreciate you just listening and hanging out with us. But on that score, it's time to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. It worked perfectly, Mark. I don't want to hear it. Masterfully executed. I remembered it perfectly. Mark, what are your beers for these fears? I am drinking a Soul Rex. This movie happens to be set in Seoul, South Korea, so I'm drinking a Soul Rex. Mark, let me oh. ask you a question. Uh huh. How is Soul spelled on the beer? Uh, with, uh I mean, it, I can't tell because it's behind the the koozie that I, it's in. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think that's an answer. It does have a bitchin' dinosaur on it, though. So I mean, that's also part of it. There's okay. a dinosaur playing a stand-up bass. 
Well, that's pretty rad. So, you know, this thing's kind of a dinosaur as well, and this movie has good music in it. So, man, three for three. God, I'm killing it. He's a lot like uh, Kim Cattrall's husband. Sure. I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. With it, look, with a beer like that, surely your selections can't beat me. So go ahead and just tell me what you're drinking. <laughs> well, it's interesting. J Jake mentioned Hite, uh, the the like most popular beer in South Korea. Hite I Yeah, well, I think that's just the traditional Hite. I went to a fancy like uh, beer, half beer, half brewery kind of place, or not a brewery at all, but a brewing supplies place here in Boise, and tried to find all of those kinds of things. Couldn't find original Hite. But I did find another beer that Hite, Ma that Hite makes. It's called Hite Prime Max. And uh, it kind of tastes a little bit like an ESB, uh, but I don't know what it is. It's uh, kind of tasty. It's okay. All right. I got a single bottle of that. Now I'm surprised I also... it's not just like a straight-up lager or Pilsner. I mean, it kind of is. It's okay. just, uh, yeah, it's just got a little bit of oomph to it. It's got a little something to it. All Hite right. Prime Max. Now I've also, Mark... Uh, myself here got a. I I don't actually know. This bottle is all in. Uh, I don't know what it guess. is. I found it in the road. <laughs> it's it's all in. I'm gonna guess Korean. Um, I don't read this particular <laughs> kind of script. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah. Okay, cool. I really hope only, you're gonna show it to me, and it's actually gonna be in like Mandarin. The it might be. I don't fucking know. The letters that I can read on it are Chum Churum Soju, and this is a soju, uh, because this whole movie concludes with soju. Um, and, I mean, if you didn't know, Hite is also featured very heavily in the movie, including j consumed by middle schoolers. So, um, I mean, now I'm, she does I'm, like it and provides probably the best line reading in the entire movie as a result of that, so I'm not going to complain. That's true, and I'm drinking my soju out of a Mr. Potato Head mug here. Also good. I think that's the traditional service. Uh, it is, you are correct. Well, Mr. Potato Head or Hello Kitty. Now, it's, it's interesting. I'm not that familiar with soju. I've had it a couple of times before at, like, a Korean barbecue place. But it seems to be, like, a liquor in the movie, right? They use it for Molotov cocktails. But this one is 15.6%, uh, which would not burst into flames when ignited. Well, you know, so. Jack, had you asked me what soju was prior to this exact moment, I would have told you it was a type or style of karate. So I am <laughs> okay. not the expert on the matter. Fair enough. In any case, I've got a soju and I've got a hite, so uh, I went all out here. I had to go to a fancy place. Okay, so I mean, yeah, listeners, if you want to weigh in on uh, this, patrons, I guess, if you want to weigh in on this, I have something that's named after the city that it happens in with a cool dinosaur like the one featured in the movie playing a stand-up bass like the music that's featured in the movie, or you can drink, you know, vote for some other random fucking beers that Jack doesn't even know where they're from. <laughs> Well, I know where Hite, uh, Hite Prime Max Okay, is from. okay, you're gaslighting now. Get out of here. Okay, okay. But drinking beers and watching The Host from 2006 isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week. We might also, we might also have experienced some other shit in the horror world. So, Mark. Yes? Do you first want to talk about, before we get to what's actually been rocking our horror world, nice. some uh, lost beers for fears? Here? I do. I I have one this week. I've been delaying it for the last two or three recordings, and I finally got around to it last Saturday morning. I like it. I like it. So let's cue up that uh, sound effect. Mmm, beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What a... Idiot! You suck, you duck ass. 
And for the uninitiated listener, we have a Patreon page, as I mentioned, and patrons get to vote on whose beer fits less well or the least well with the movie we watched. That loser has to watch a movie that the patrons also get to vote for. For So, Mark, what'd you watch and what'd you have to pay up for? Tell me the whole story. I think this was for losing uh, VHS 2, if I remember correctly. We were choosing between all of the other number twos out there. Uh, I ended up having to watch Jaws 2 as selected by our loyal listeners. Ooh, okay. Uh, so this isn't really available free anywhere. This was, I just rented this on Amazon. I mean, you can find it pretty easily. You just have to pay for it. Um, it's, <laughs> look, it's, it's Jaws. Um, it's not doing any of the groundbreaking, like, cinematography experiments that redefined a generation of creature features like Jaws 1 was, but at its core... It's a shark killing people in New England. Uh, so you do get that. This movie's like way more heavy on sailing than the first one is. Like interesting. A substantial most of this movie, I'm trying to actually think if there are any shark attacks in the shallows like there are in the first one. I think all of the shark attacks in this one basically take place out at sea on boats or scuba divers. Well, that's interesting. It is. I mean, in a way that sort of like makes it less scary because the people are on shore are basically safe for the most part. Part of that is because <laughs> the you know the same guy from the first one is still the sheriff and still on the lookout for sharks and he gets people out of the water every time. Roy uh, Scheider. Yeah, so he's back um, and he's paranoid as ever. Although he's right, so I guess it's not really paranoia if you're right. Um, <laughs> in any case, it doesn't quite you, look. You can't recapture the magic of the original Jaws. It's one of the best movies ever made, but. I have a hard time faulting this movie for following up one of the best movies ever made. It, it's still a, like it's an adequate follow up to that movie. It's not directed by St- by Spielberg. It's directed by uh, someone whose name I am going to attempt to pronounce. Oh boy, Janosswark. I'm sure you nailed it. Something like S Z W A R C is the last name. Uh, wow, Sizwark <laughs> is what I'm going with. I think it's Shaw. Uh, S like an S H sound. Schwark. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> now that I'm saying it like that, it was directed by a shark. This was just a shark that dressed <laughs> up as a human, put on like a trench coat and a trilby hat, and was like, I am directing this film. I like that. Now, it, apocryphally, right, a lot of the Jaws movies, a lot of the sequels that are supposed to be terrible, they say they made just because they had this enormous animatronic shark thing laying around. <laughs> they just to had to use. use it. Yeah, so they could make a movie pretty cheaply because they already had it. It sounds like this at least predated those just cranking them out kind of situations. Uh, I, I've always had a little bit more of a soft spot for two than three or four. I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously those are piles of garbage. This one's at least fun, and I remember as a kid watching this and fucking loving the ending. Just like the the effects that they threw in looking at it now not that great i might have been a dumb kid but uh whatever 12 year old me loved it okay i like it yeah pretty solid do you have any to pay up for i do i have one to pay up here Uh, i I mean i'm more than one to pay up but i have one that i actually did pay up oh okay that was confusing Uh continue I have one movie to talk about here i uh lost the beers for fears poll for the movie wreck um the the spanish one yes and so I had to watch uh, Les Affamés or The Ravenous, Isn't as it just the Les case may be. I think it's Les Affamés. Okay. Um, I think. Affamés? Uh, Affa you! <laughs> um, in any case, so I watched this. It is uh, free on Netflix streaming, and you can download it and shit. So that's uh, one thing to note. And 
I really enjoyed watching this movie, but I don't know that I'd recommend it. Like, I don't know that it does anything that I'm really, like, going to tell anyone else they need to go see. So this is a zombie movie, uh-huh. and it's a really, really well-done zombie movie. Um, it's set beautifully shot. Set in French shot. Canada, yes? Yeah, set in, set in Quebec. And I'm given to understand that a lot of the symbolism and themes of this movie are have to do with, like, the political situation in Quebec and, like, a whole invasion of Quebec, Quebecois independence, all that kind of stuff. Those all went over my head, if there were any of those things. Um, but gotcha. it is a pretty smart movie. Um, I really like the characters and the way they're stitched together. It's a little bit overlong, but it's, I mean, like I said, there are some beautiful shots in here. The zombies are, are really well done. The effects are pretty good overall. And there's some really cool touches in here about the zombies to make them kind of unique to this movie that I don't want to totally get into because I will spoil it. Um, it's about an hour and 45 minutes long, but it's it's one I'm really happy I watched. But also, like, unless you're really jonesing for a zombie movie, um, I don't know that I'd really recommend it for any reason in particular. So it's you'd not... probably tell Jake to watch it then? I'm I definitely mean, going to tell Jake to watch it. Yeah, 100%. If yeah. you could summarize the unique things they do for the zombies in this movie in one word, what would that word be? Well, it's going to spoil it. Um, I God damn it, Mark, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I took a little bit of a class this week on interviewing people. <laughs> I'm just going to say musical chairs and let's move on. Oh, okay. The zombies, <laughs> that was two words, but okay. You are and not they, hired. They don't play musical chairs. Update, I don't like this soju. It's not good, and I wish it was more alcohol percentage for the taste I'm getting here. I don't. So again, I don't know what soju is. Is it what? It's it's kind. I mean, like I would kind of liken it to sake. It's a little bit along those lines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sake's gross, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not loving it. Um, but I am drinking it. So there you go. There you have it. Um, nothing with nothing else. Let's get into the regular beers for mm, the regular. What's been rocking a horror world segment? Good save. Thank you. Scatman's world. Mark, what's been rocking your horror world? <laughs> um, I have two to talk about this week, two more to talk about this week, and I think one of them is going to be shared between the two of us, so I'm going to start off with the one that is not going to be shared. I watched my top one from April. Jack, do you remember what my top one from April was? Not a chance. Nope. Uh, I watched The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Oh, yikes. Uh, starring the inimitable Hilary Duff. As oh, wow. Tate. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, there's there's no <laughs> way to sugarcoat it. This movie is one of the worst movies I've seen all year. This Holy actually shit. might show up <laughs> later in our, uh, in our omnibus. Oh, my God. This movie's fucking bad, man. How Holy did you watch cow. it? Uh, it is freely available on Amazon Prime. If you do okay. decide to take the plunge, it's nice and short. It's ninety minutes long, almost. I think exactly ninety minutes. Um, and I, I was, think it's. I think it's evident from the name and trailer. But this is. I mean, the Sharon Tate from the title is the Manson family Sharon Tate, right? Yes. Uh, okay. And yeah, exactly. So this movie fictionalizes, well, details in a fictional sense, her final days. So for those of you unaware, and I mean, I'm not really the scholar on the matter either, but Sharon Tate was a an actress who was murdered in the Hollywood Hills by the Manson family back in the 1970s, who was married to Roman Polanski and all this other stuff. Um, this is sort of a fictional recounting of her final days. Uh, the trailer that we talked about back in April led me to believe that, A, they were kind of blurring the lines between Supernatural and the Manson family, and 
that uh, there was good acting in this movie, and I will let you know that neither of those things were actually in this movie. Oh, so she was just haunted by the Manson family. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no <laughs> <Okay>. supernatural <laughs> happenings here. There's some stuff that's like, I mean, there uh, there are a lot of like kind of haunting tropes of like things that move in the night and like, you know, cabinets being opened and stuff like that, but it's always just by people creeping around the property. So, okay. I mean, that that part didn't really, you know, I like the ghost movies and I I'm not going to complain if you put a serial killer movie on in front of me either, but if I go in expecting ghosts and I don't get ghosts, I'm going to be a little bit let down. Ultimately, though, that's not where this movie fails. It fails in that the acting is wholly unbelievable through and through. I would love to say that Hillary Duff did a good job, but nope. And yikes. Um the other thing is there's like for a movie made in 2019, the sound is terrible. It's this whole movie sounds like it was ADR'd. Like they <laughs> lost the original soundtrack and then had to go back in and like overdub their own lines. Yikes. Um it's yeah. Uh it's it's almost interesting to watch from a from the car crash standpoint, but I yeah, I can't give this one a recommend. Well, that doesn't sound good, Mark. Yeah, it's not. Uh yeah. so really what you're left with if if it's not good is just sort of a I mean, it doesn't feel good to watch it. Basically, they're just exploiting the story of Sharon Tate. I don't know if her Ugh. if her estate got any money off of this or anything like that. So you know, I can't really I can't really sign off on that either. That's all horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, it God. was all horrible through and okay. through. Now, Mark, your other one I happen to know is one we watched together, and that's my only movie. So, unless if if you don't have any other things you'd like to talk about, I'd like to get to uh, a non-movie thing before we dive into. Oh, uh, I see. That okay. Movie. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Take it away, bud. Okay. So I have uh, one non-movie thing here, which is a new podcast. This was uh, pointed out to me by friend of the show, Ty, who's got a uh, podcast called Who the Hell is This For? Where they talk about all sorts of movies. You should go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Um, But he sent us a tweet and said that there is an original horror fiction podcast uh, from Larry Fessenden. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Fez. Yeah. So I immediately went and checked it out. The I, it's really unclear to me like when this actually came out because the Wikipedia page says 2013, but the first episode was available on October 1st. So it's all really unclear to me. But in any case, it is called Tales from Beyond the Pale. This is uh, Larry Fessenden and his production company, and a guy named Glenn McQuaid, who's a like Irish horror director. I think he directed some of the VHS segments. Um, and it's it's like an old school like 1930s 1940s audio drama and it's fucking awesome i now, love it when you say from beyond the pale i assume that the narrator is behind a bucket uh probably okay. tales from beyond the pale i see what you did there yeah um yeah love but it. it's it is pale spelled the other way just to <laughs> that's be my clear. joke for, for the episode folks <laughs> actually and i'm out for it it's it's p-a-l-e oh. uh but holy shit it is a ton of fun and i'm one to seek out like old audio dramas from the era anyway and this one does a good job of modernizing them but keeping what feels fun about those original audio dramas so do they i do, highly recommend it do they do like fully work in the background too like they used to a little bit. I can't, it's it doesn't sound like it's um, like doors opening and people like walking and shit. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's done live in studio, but okay. they do have a little bit of light foley. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. Check it out. The first one's out. It's like a half hour long. Really good. A lot of fun. Now, Mark, both you and I watched a movie on Netflix. Yeah, we did. Um, I think I watched it a few hours before you. 
Um, you actually ended up watching it a few days before me. I didn't get around to it when I wanted to. Fair enough. Fair but enough. we both watched In the Tall Grass. Yeah, the Stephen King, Joe Hill story that was adapted into a movie on Netflix. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Barrier to entry, essentially zero. Because yep. everyone and their dog has access to Netflix somehow through a relative yep. of some kind. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Mark, what did you think about this thing? Just broad overall recommend or not recommend? Like, did you like it? Overall recommend. I think it is a very solid piece of psychological horror, and I loved the general setting and cinematography using that setting. Yeah, they did a fantastic job with the actual tall grass mm-hmm. and using it. All that was fucking fantastic. There are some... I, I agree with you. I, I'm overall a, a pretty high recommend as well. There are also shots that are brilliant and uses of the like tall grass being scary that are brilliant. One kind of non-spoilery one I want to just mention is there's a scene where two people are looking for each other in the tall grass and they ostensibly should be close to one another. And they, and they both jump up. Yeah, yeah to, that's and, a good one. Every, and so you just see it from the top, and they're in different places every time they jump up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a great way of sort of shorthand explaining that this like this place is not what it seems. But you're already aware of that. You're watching the movie, but it's a good way of illustrating that for people yeah. like me and Jack who are constantly trying to break the rules of the world. Exactly. There's also some really cool just individual shots. Like there's one where I think it's like a raven or a crow. You're seeing the person walk through in the reflection of the crow's eye. Yeah. They, yeah, they like really that type of shit. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that within this movie, there are two good examples of there are two. There are two counter examples of the way to appropriately <laughs> show that. Yep. The, the best one is the one you just highlighted where the two people are jumping and they change positions every time they see each other. And then they also do another one that's kind of cheap and we've seen it elsewhere where there's a dog walking around and they're watching the dog and the dog just goes behind a clump of grass and then just disappears, which, I mean, it, it's fine. It works okay in the movie, but like it's super tired. We, we've seen that before. It doesn't really like, it doesn't have the same impact as the other one. So it, it is interesting to see the myriad different ways they play with the kind of the visual space. Yeah, some and they get work, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and th- that that's on every level, right? There's a lot of there's some cool shots in there too, and there's some like there's some shots straight out of House MD. Some like I'm gonna zoom in on your blood oh, vessels. That doing was that was shots. the worst thing about the entire it's movie was the House insane. MD insane. Yeah, I didn't. There were two of them, and they didn't make any fucking sense. They weren't necessary at all. Uh, in another part, one of the characters cures heat stroke with CPR, and I would just like to take a fantasy point for that due to my uh the. Poor medical science in horror movies fantasy thing. So Correct. I, I was going that. to... Mark, I actually took a note about that. I wasn't taking notes on the movie, but I did make a note to talk to you about the fantasy point when I thought you weren't going to watch it. <laughs> a doctor runs in, administers CPR. She wakes up, and he's like, it's okay. It was just heat stroke. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other things I do want to call out about this movie. Patrick Wilson's performance is awesome awesome stellar dude i I, could i just want him to sing midnight special to me all day it's all i ever want a i love that song and b patrick wilson's performance it's just it's it's a good combo all of the performances including by the kid are both good and well used like none of them really overstay their welcome for the most part um surprisingly good kid acting that kid can't be more than like 10 and he does a great job they also use him pretty sparsely which is a good thing yeah Um, but i mean he delivers when it's his turn he sure does, but Patrick Wilson steals the goddamn show. Sure. Yeah. Well, eh, I mean, sure. He, 
I don't. Yeah, without getting too like right, too we don't want to spoil it. Is it. the hard part. Yeah, he's, he is the one most apt to spoil to take the show. <laughs> sure. Yeah. In any case, that is all I've got. I think both Mark and I would give it a recommend. It's on Netflix. There's no reason not to watch it. Yeah. Don't think too hard about the timeline, folks, because it will not work. Well, yeah, it fucks with time. That's. I mean, you get that immediately. Yeah. I mean, just just don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about that is one thing that works a lot better in the book, where it's like, okay, that was a couple hundred pages ago where you told me about how the timeline started, so I can resolve it just being okay with, like, it's all fucked up. Yeah. In the movie, it's a lot more clear that, like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In any case, yeah. I was in the tall grass. What do you think Jake watched? Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to tee it up like that, I'm going to make some <laughs> inappropriate comments. I love it. I think we'll wait a week. We'll let him tell us about it next week. About all the filthy pornography he's been watching? Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. All yep. of the, probably a bunch of Gaspar No, is if, if I had to guess. <laughs> well, that's about time to go to the feature presentation. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2006's The Host, which is a Korean horror flick, a neo-kaiju movie, which uh, Jake's resolution was to watch, and he's not even here for it. Yeah, so minus yeah. 100 points? Yeah, he did a wor- he, he he actively did a worse job than not watching neo-kaiju movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one situation where we can force him to watch a movie that is already in the bucket of the things he wants to watch, and he actively avoids it. Yes. Man. Yep, terrible. Just terrible. What a clown. Um, I picked this movie. Yeah, how um, come? Okay. I was exposed to this movie in college as my roommate freshman year. Um, this is one of his favorite movies. I don't know if he if I'm remembering this wrong or if he has a thing for Korean movies, because I remember his two favorite movies being this movie and Old Boy. The original okay. old boy, because yeah. this was pre the uh, not the, uh, <laughs> not the Brolin old boy, <laughs> not the Josh Brolin old boy. No, <laughs> I mean, okay, look, we all make decisions. There were parts of that movie I liked very much. I like, yeah, when he hits the guy with a hammer, it's very yeah, satisfying. that part. That's the part I'm talking about. Yep, exactly. <laughs> in any case, so I was exposed to this movie through him. I remember liking it in college. Um, but I only saw it like that time and another time with him. I had never seen this movie like actually sat down and really committed to watching it before. Uh, um, well, hold on, let's digest that. So, what was so? Did you was this like it was on at a party type of thing where he was watching it and you were like checking in on him to make sure he was still okay? <laughs> or were no, you like playing beer pong in the background? Or no, this was more like we watched it in our dorm room while we were playing Smash Bros or something. Okay, so not just not giving it its full your full attention. Exactly. I yeah. See. But not like full background fodder either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What's cool. your history with this flick? I'd never seen it. I'd seen the cover on Netflix a number of years ago when it was available. It is no longer available. I think we have to rent it now. I hope we have to rent it now because I rented it. I watched it on Netflix. Instant streaming. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so... paid money to watch the Amazon version. So, <laughs> cool. Uh, that's pretty good shit. <laughs> I don't know who's dick netflix has to suck at google to have them show up in the how to watch this no 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 mark you're i'm i'm, I'm wrong uh les fma is on netflix i, I watched uh, them on the same day this one is on amazon for free if you sign up for that blood and guts package thing you were talking about earlier yeah so you can okay so that makes me feel my better. bad my bad uh, retracted retracted yeah so there's the blood and guts package there's also the magnolia pictures package whatever the fuck that is <laughs> um but yeah, this used to be av- easily 
available and it is no longer. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, wait so a minute and it'll come back. But I did end up signing up for the blood and guts package or whatever the fuck it's called. I think it's two ninety nine a month. Right. Uh, Which was less than the cost of renting this movie. Right, and that's thinking. exactly what I did for whatever movie that was that we watched two months ago. It's a, it's a <laughs> weird, because no matter what, I, I'm pretty sure with Amazon, even if you do the free month, you still have to pay for at least one month. Uh, so that I was don't my, think that's true. That was my calculus where I was like, well, even if I do have to pay for it, it's still less expensive. Right, exactly. Just remember like, to cancel I, I, your subscription. That's my advice to you. I think the options were rent the standard def version for two ninety nine or the high def one for three ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I did the high def one. Anyways, yeah. we this is way too much detail for this section. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to postpone the next part because uh, this is a long movie <laughs> with a lot of plot stuff. Uh, it shifts and it changes and there are a lot of phases and you get thirty seconds to summarize them. <laughs> This is not going to go well. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. It starts when you start. A guy and his dad and daughter run a, and I guess his daughter's in middle school, they run a, a snack shop on the Korean banks of a river, uh, the banks of a Korean river. Uh, a monster comes, uh, nope, the American scientist and the military pours too much formaldehyde down the drain, creates a monster. The monster attacks them all. Then the government is trying to quarantine all the people because it's also the host of a virus, except not really because that's just a hoax by the American military to try and say it wasn't our fault. The guy's daughter gets kidnapped by the monster and taken into the sewers, and he has to try and save her. And he eventually does save her and they blow it up with Molotov cocktails, except she dies and a lot of other stuff happens too. I did a bad job. <laughs> you get you did a really great 35 second plot synopsis that got through the first third of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And got several key details wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, what would you like to add? Um there's uh, a little street urchin kid that he ends up adopting because he saves it from the stomach of the monster. Oh yeah, what a fucking uh, random wrinkle that was. <laughs> Jesus. It turns out he gets lobotomized at one point, I think. Um, yep, because that's where the virus is. Yep, except for it's really just the American military wanting to keep him quiet, that there is no virus. They just don't want Korea to know that this monster was their fault, I think. Um, I think you're reading a lot into it. That, well, I mean, I guess it's either like, are you evil or are you stupid? And I don't know which one the movie thinks well, we are. It does, it does make it clear both. that the American military is doing a cover-up here. Sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The, whether or not the Korean government is also evil or just inept is, I think, up for grabs. One of my notes on this movie is that the story. This is getting a little spoilery for my ratings at the end of the show. The story is best when you contain it within the main characters. The story is worst when you try and see what the hell else is happening in the world at that it time. It is wild. <laughs> uh, so there's it's it's open to interpretation. There are a lot of there's there's a lot of degrees of freedom here that you can just ascribe values to things. No matter what, the Americans are evil. That's uh, yeah. plain and true. Yeah. Yes. And in a pretty subtle reference to some historical things, they drop a chemical called Agent Yellow on it. <laughs> Very subtle. Very <laughs> Yeah, super Jack, super this one subtle. this one this one's not a uh, defoliant, okay? So it's totally different <laughs> yeah uh do you think i missed any other major plot points uh i guess his sister is a famous archer but who's bad at archery because she can't let go in time I mean, she's exceptionally good at archery just not timed archery yeah yeah I um think that's, that's correct no i mean they hunt as a family but they get a call when they're in the hospital quarantined from the daughter who was kidnapped by the monster 
They know she's still alive. The government thinks she's dead. They have to race against time and the government to find her in the sewers before the beast kills her. Yes, and they're oh yeah, and he they think that the main dude is infected. The Korean government does, so they're hunting him. Yeah, everybody's hunting everybody. Yeah, yeah. Sounds I mean, that's basically right. it. I think the other brother is an alcoholic, unemployed college grad who was also a freedom fighter in his day. He's a got a rich fighter. backstory, man. Yeah, he sure does. He, got, like, he wears his engineering degree by day and then freaking Molotov cocktails by night. Well, engineering degree by day that he doesn't do anything with except wear a suit. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's not that <laughs> uncommon, man. This family is wild, man. Yeah, uh, we're getting dangerously close to okay. talking about this movie. <laughs> okay, Maybe we okay, should okay. start with our award-winning segment. Yeah, what in the fuck subgenres of horror this movie fits into, except for monster, because that's mine. Uh, foreign is mine. Yep, and I'll also go kaiju as a sub-subgenre of monster. Well, you can't... No, 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 no. You, you either pick monster or kaiju, subgenre monster, whatever. No, kaiju is a sub-subgenre of monster. I'm pretty sure it's a bullet point underneath... Kaiju is a bullet point underneath monster, isn't it? You're breaking, so. you're bending yes, the rules. No, it's a sub subgenre of monster. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so you can't pick monster and the thing that is the subgenre of the thing. It's 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 like aliens, Perrin. They come to us. This is monster, Perrin, kaiju. Yeah, so you picked one thing. Is what I'm saying. Okay, okay, fine. Good. It's probably it's probably independent. <laughs> I actually don't <laughs> think it is. I think this is one of the most like highly anticipated movies in South Korean history. Maybe, but I mean, the budget wasn't all that high. I don't know compared to other South Korean movies, I guess. And it did; it only premiered at like a whole bunch of film festivals. Uh, so I am given to understand that uh, Jun Ho Bong, the guy who I'm probably saying that wrong, the director was coming off of a previous success that was very uh, highly touted, and yes. this was looked forward to exceptionally highly uh, by the Korean public. And it- when it came out, it sold like gangbusters, and to this day is still like maybe the top. Not anymore, movie? not okay, anymore, but it's up to. there in the highest grossing Korean films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly at the time it was the highest grossing, and I think it has now been superseded by something else. But and I think I also read that another one of the reasons it was so highly anticipated was one of the characters, and this is on me for just not being able to parse the names, one of the actors is like one of the most famous Korean actors at, of the time. Do you know which one it is? I have literally no idea. Great. I don't even know if it's a male or a female or what. <laughs> Uh, you're doing good work. You're doing the Lord's work, Jack. I'm guessing it's the brother, because he seemed to be the most attractive of all the characters. Yeah, the guy, the uncle, who's the uh, alcoholic, for some reason? Yeah. The freedom fighter? Yeah, the freedom fighter. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of brief <laughs> Well, also, there. I mean, four minutes after the protagonist, I guess he's the protagonist, calls his brother an alcoholic, he cracks a beer and gives one to his 12-year-old daughter at, like, <laughs> <laughs> 2 p.m. Is, look, okay. Flash forward to my life, like, 15, 16 years from now, if I have a kid and my sister's in the fucking Olympics, uh, I'm cracking a beer with my kid. And Is we're that watching... the Olympics? I, well, it was some type of world championships. She was definitely representing South Korea at some type of event for archery. Could have been the Olympics, could have been just worlds in general, but still. Yeah, either way. Yeah, I'm sharing a beer with my kid at that point. That's I'm fine with that. Fair enough. Hey, uh, how did she get bronze then if she just fully fucking didn't fire? Okay, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's okay. a nitpick. I, I have that <laughs> okay. written down. You're jumping that, ahead. That just occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, in a head-to-head matchup wherein she is in the finals, she can get either gold or silver, she gets bronze because she misses <laughs> one target. Any, whatever. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. 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 Mark. Yes. What does this movie do right? 
Um, there are a lot of things that I want to talk about. And weirdly, my first note is the weird humor that just is pervasive throughout this movie. No matter, no matter what is happening, you're not safe from like a weird piece of slapstick comedy or a strange line that, I mean, like what, what did you introduce me with? Yeah. Well, okay. There's the, and I, you can't, some of them are clearly jokes, right? And some of them are clearly not jokes, but are kind of a funny line. And then there's lines that tow a weird place where I don't know if it's intended to be a joke or not, but there's a part where, Everything's gone to shit. The government's hunting the family. They're huddled up in their snack shack, and they're they're like bemoaning their fate and trying to figure out what to do next. And then the grandpa just starts telling a story about like, I could always tell if your dad was a B minus or an A plus based on his farts. You could always smell his farts, and like it's delivered totally straight faced. Like, what is happening? It's one of the strangest scenes I think I've ever watched. He's explaining why his son is so dumb who is the brother of the other two that he's explaining this to. But he, and that he, he constantly has to sleep because he had protein deficiency as a child. And then as he's doing this, they're falling asleep holding their shotguns. And I guess the point of the scene is that everybody sleeps. And he also only wavers from B- to A+. Like, his son's a fuck-up, but only a fuck-up between a B- and an A+. I have I have more nitpicks with that overall story, and they'll come up back later. But that's, okay. that's a very good example, okay. right? Like... This movie is, I, I think the reason this is in Does Right and not another category is because in a weird way, it uses this type of humor to both humanize the main characters and to sort of like break up the pacing of the movie. Like every time you're thinking you're in one mode, they stop and they're like, we're going to tell a story or we're going to have this crazy evil like military police officer walk in and then like slip and fall flat on his face in like a scene straight out of the, th- uh, <laughs> the three stooges. Yeah. You're like, what I, th- it, this movie just keeps you on your toes at all times and it makes it fly by. This is a two plus hour long movie. And it like, it really, really doesn't feel like that. It really doesn't feel that long. Yeah. They, they have an escape sequence that is set to like Russian polka music. It's that the music <laughs> is bonkers <laughs> uh one of the like craziest most evil dudes in the movie that like jack alluded to earlier the main character gets a lobotomy at one point the evil american scientist that is administering the lobotomy is just arbitrarily cross-eyed for some reason <laughs> look i'm really sorry if that actor is actually cross-eyed but i'll also like what a weird choice that is <laughs> just make it seem all that much more strange. I, yes. I mean, I kind of like what that means on a metaphorical level, but also like there's humor just kind of underpinning so much of this movie when it doesn't need it. And it doesn't really, it helps it in a way, but it doesn't, it's not necessary for the plot at all. It's just like a fun little extra detail. Yeah, no, completely. And there, I mean, there are also some intentionally comedic lines that are delivered well, or I, I think well, we're reading, we watched it subtitled, but are funny. Like, there's some funny jokes in it, too. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, they're trying to make change, and the dude is asleep on the counter, and they have to lift his head up to get the quarters out from underneath to give change to the lady. Peel I mean, the it, change off his face, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's good. There's, yeah, and we're, I, we're belaboring the point at this 
juncture. Mark, but to go along with that, I think that works very well because you like the characters and the interactions, or at least you like you believe them. They feel like real people. Well, and they feel like comedically exaggerated people. I don't really buy that this is a family unit. These people all hate each other for no reason. But and, and I think I talked about this earlier, but this family is insane, right? There's the industrious, hardworking grandfather. Who's like owns and runs the shop primarily, yeah. and it seems to be like just hardworking and no nonsense. Right. He has three children, one of whom is a quasi-Olympic or Olympic archer. Let's call her. She's representing Korea in some type of world competition. That means she is an Olympic. Probably good athlete. enough. Yeah, she's an Olympic archer. And then he has two sons, one of whom is a collegiate dropout, ex-freedom fighter, alcoholic, and the other one is a lazy fuck-up who sleeps all day long and gives his 12-year-old daughter beer. Yeah. And for and some reason, the the alcoholic uncle college dropout is, like, very judgmental of the lifestyle of the other one. Very other judgmental. They're judgmental of each other. But he's also... The dad is also such a piece of shit. Like, he's saving to buy his daughter a better cell phone by stealing the, as far as I could tell, like, take a penny, leave a penny change from the snack shack. I was way more emotionally invested in that than I was sort of anticipating being. <laughs> when he gave it to the guy to bribe him to get into the quarantine zone, I was like, no, not the bucket of change. Anything <laughs> but that. Before she says, are you really my dad, when he gives her beer, I was pretty convinced that this is like her fuck-up uncle or brother or something. Uh, yeah, it's there, there's a bit of a crash course in the familial relations at the beginning of this movie, and it's not immediately clear to start who how everyone belongs to everyone else. And then they, it gets cleared up pretty quickly throughout the movie. But yeah, for that first <laughs> scene before the initial attack, I was very confused about who was who to who. But we have a wide range of diverse characters here who are weird as shit. And I kind of like it. Yeah. And the movie does a good job of cross cutting between them as individual narratives. So just as soon as you've had enough of the uncle being stalked in the telecom office and the aunt, going rogue in the sewers you cut back to the daughter in the sewer drain trying to befriend this new street urchin kid before the monster comes back i mean you got like a bunch of interweaving things it's one of the reasons why this is such a long movie but that's also why this movie works so well is because you can never really they, they keep like they keep the momentum going without stalling out yeah and they keep separating the characters and then finding ways to bring them back together pretty well right yeah, yeah. I like all that. That's all good stuff. Uh, we have to talk about the monster here because the sure. movie, there are parts of the effects that are bad and the budget is very clear. But this movie is at its best when it's showing you the monster running through the streets. It's kind of the like from 20 feet away at 20 miles an hour thing, right? My car is really nice. This monster looks really good when it's running through the street and it. This is something that a lot of these movies suffer from when they have a fully CG monster. It doesn't feel like it has the weight or effect, like it's actually there. And this one does when it's running. Like, it, it's, it's modeled well, and it's done well, and it feels like it has weight and impact on the environment. And even when it splashes into water, that's good, too. Yeah, I, I mean, you're saying that it's best when it is um, running? I think it's best when it's swinging around. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> they they come up with they 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 come up with like modes for this thing to travel in. Apparently, this thing's just been living in the Han River forever, and well, ostensibly like four years, growing big and strong like Tractor, um, <laughs> and it it moves under the bridges by like swinging like between its tail and its forearms, its front arms, whatever you'd call them. 
just like like Donkey Kong doing like a like a roll along the thing. I, they used that movement two or three or four times throughout the movie, and every time they did, it, I was like, "That's a fucking awesome!" Like that's not natural, but it is in a way intuitive. And and it's really cool monster design too, right? That goes along with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So this is supposedly. Let's get into the origin story here of the monster vis-a-vis formaldehyde. Well, formaldehyde is the origin story, <laughs> which is a mutagenic compound. I mean, technically, yes. they didn't choose the wrong thing here. That's um, true. But and the idea I mean, is that it they poured a bunch of formaldehyde down the drain, and that some type of squid thing mutated, swam into a fisherman's cup. And then continued to mutate and then grew to be the size of a bus. And grew out of having one of its tails, because it definitely has two or more tails when it's in the cup, and does not have two or more tails when it's an adult. Well, it absorbed the other tail and used its strength to grow large. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah. No, and I, I wasn't going to talk about this here because we're in what the movie does right, but the reason that the American sci- military scientist wants to dump the formaldehyde is simply because the bottles in which it's contained got dusty. Yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird move, which might go along with the kind of satire of like Amer- fuck America. Uh, I mean, yeah, the guy is obviously supposed to be. You're no one is watching that scene and being like, yeah, I agree with that guy. Those are dusty bottles. <laughs> uh, this- quick quick update, uh, just some quick back of the napkin math. Ten million dollars was the budget for this movie, U.S. dollars. It's okay. listed it's listed on the IMDb page under the Korean I don't know what KRW is whatever their money is. Uh apparently it spent 12 billion Korean dollars on this. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, so that is roughly 10 million US dollars. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Where were we? Uh we were talking about the monster. Oh yeah, and and I mean, look, it doesn't always look great. I think all of the close-ups of its face look bad. I think the scenes involving the Molotov cocktails look bad. Oh, I disagree with that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I don't think those were... I, so the, the, uh, the fire effects on the monster are definitely fake. The fire effects on the Molotovs, I'm pretty sure they just had... They were actual fire, Jack. I mean, this is a recurring theme in your life where you can't tell what's so, real fire and Mark, what's fake fire. Mark, Mark. What? There were at least three that were real fire. One of them that hit a column was real fire, and two that hit the ground were real fire. One of them that hit the ground was in two straight lines that were about three inches wide of terrible fire effects that were actually pixelated. That's how fire behave. I'll make you... <laughs> That's how fire work. I'll make you a screenshot. Okay, yeah, please do, while you still have it on Netflix, apparently. uh, Yeah, well, I'm going to forget to cancel this forever, so. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how they get you. That's how they get you. They They tell you exactly what the terms are and then bank on you forgetting exactly what the terms are. I mean, yes, that is the business model, and it works. (laughs) Um, By the way, I downloaded uh, Blender to do some re-editing of a particular movie. Uh Blender's so complicated. Blender is so fucking complicated. (laughs) Nice. Well, (laughs) I thought Blender was how you did 3D rendering. I did too, but it also turns out to be the best free... I think it's like Audacity. You can do like way more than I need, Uh, but it also does... It's the best thing that does what I want to do. Uh, Cool. So before we move on too far from the monster, I had that written down too. This is definitively bad CG. No one will claim that this is like, oh, wow, great example, so realistic. But in a weird way, 
they animate it in in like such a vision that I still really fucking love looking at the thing. Even on the stupid close-ups where I'm like, that is just a cartoon. <laughs> I still like game? it a lot. It, you know what it reminds me of is Cloverfield. It reminds me of like a really, really small clover. Yeah, it kind of is. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when did Cloverfield come out? 2008? That, yeah, I mean, yeah, we saw it. Must have been, yeah, 2008 or 2009 because we I saw mean, it. Before it came out this, as a special release screening. Yeah. Oh, shut up. This has to have been <laughs> a some type of precursor to that movie. They, they they saw this and used it to design their monster. I'm positive of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean the the like four opening kind of vagina mouth thing is a uh, right and like the, the eyes field. and the blinking and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, that was that was the vibe I got. It doesn't necessarily have to look real. It still looks. It's still a good time. And the way they do. I'd actually be really curious to know how they shot a lot of this stuff because I felt like as it was particularly on the original Rampage, the way it storms through certain features of the world is still pretty impactful, even though it's very clearly like not there. So, the, yeah, this is this is exactly what I'm saying about the impact it has despite being clearly CG. And I think that's because they got Weta Studios to model it. Okay. And they Say just more do like... about what that is. So, I mean, Weta I Studios... Oh, Weta Studios is the like Peter Jackson New Zealand oh. Oh, uh, special okay. effects firm. It's not, yeah, and and so they got, and I think just having that, and it's not just because it's the name, but they do a very very good job of giving impact to the effects, right? So they they obviously don't have the same budget or same technique available to all things, but like they do a really good job of making it feel like it's a part of that world, which is why you can watch a CG monster running through a city and it would look like absolute horseshit, like it does in that terrible Rampage movie. But when you see this totally CG monster, you're talking about running... the movie titled Rampage, not that because I just referred to this movie. Oh scene shit! As the yes, Rampage I, scene. I'm talking about the rock movie rampage yeah okay yeah um but in this movie it feels like it has impact and i think that's a way they i think it's 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 partially the modeling right the way they make it hit stuff and hit the stuff around it doesn't just feel like it's doing nothing and bouncing off stuff and then also the sound effects help with that too and the way it like splashes through the water give it impact like it's a part of this world yeah, and I did note that uh, one of the things on the trivia page for from IMDb is that the way they did the splashing effects was they just dropped some big ass barrels full of concrete into the river. It's awesome. Which yeah. is, I mean, you know, if you can't you can't animate water, you still can't. You definitely couldn't in two thousand six. So make a big ass splash and then put something around it. That's a good way to do it. Hundred percent. Now, Mark, I did want to ask you. About the effects, because when it would splash into the water, for the most part, it was when it was, like, dropping from the bridge or somewhere high up. Right. And I was having a really hard time figuring out if they were saying it's, like, got some kind of webbing it's dangling down slowly from, or if they're trying to do a slow-mo fall into the water. But every time it would drop from the bridge into the water, it was like, this is taking five times as long as it should for something to fall from that height. It does look like it's dangling from something. I assumed uh, that it was its prehensile tail. But then, yes, I thought so, too, until there's one shot where its tail is not attached to anything and it's still falling very slowly maybe that's just a little bit of sloppiness in the effects i don't know mutations jack yeah this thing could also just have webbing that it never uses maybe it only uses it to hang that's what i'm thinking i don't know i like it's exclusively hang web (laughs) can't use it for anything else 
All right. I'm kind of out of stuff the movie does right. Oh, I got two more things real quick. We've touched on this one already, so we can probably just breeze by it. But outside of the effects, the cinematography of this movie is absolutely beautiful. Oh, they, yeah. It's well shot. And uh, they have great sets. And the way they shoot the sets only augments that sense of place. Well, and, and because they did shoot near the Han River and in actual sewers and then used, like, bridging shots to bridge it to a soundstage. And they did a fantastic job of that. Right. And then you have the scenes at the end, which I don't know, maybe you disliked these more than I did, but the like the scenes where the guy, this is just a combination of things that are great to film, right? You have the guy with the fire bombs, you have fire, and then you have the agent, now I can't remember what it is, agent yellow dropping. So you have yes. the smoke cloud as well. So you have fire and you have smoke, both of which you're actually shooting. Neither of these are CG effects. And you ha- they're shooting at like a slight Dutch angle and he's walking through the fire like, or he's walking through the smoke throwing these fire bombs at the thing. And like that scene itself is a really interesting... It's kind of a layup. Like this is easy mode for film school, but they did it so well that I loved it. Yeah, that was a cool shot. It's yeah. very it's very dramatic. And I mean, that's probably just how it's best represented. This whole film is like underscored by all of that shit um, that you kind of like take a step back and you're like, holy shit, that's that's really intelligent how they how they decided to how he decided to direct this scene. And so we can see all of the details and whatnot. I mean, you also get a great shots of kind of the verticality of the cell that uh what's the girl's name in hyung su yeah so i think uh, so so they're trapped in the bottom of this like storm drain thing and it's very clearly too tall to get out and they have these shots that show how tall the thing is and the rope ladder that they made out of the people's clothing is like still out of reach and they're trying to like figure out how to get up I, i don't know i loved all the way they set up the sets and just sort of use the cinematography to augment the the story they were telling uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was that I just as a, I mean, this is pretty small, but I think it's kind of awesome and hilarious how hard this movie refuses to participate in political commentary in a movie that is based <laughs> on politi- political commentary. Like it has this irreverence for just like, they, you know, the ending scene is perfectly uh, emblematic of this where they're just like, the the scene the the news on the television is telling you the story it's that is serving as the uh you know that that's telling you exactly what's happening in the it's world expositing. as yeah. yes it th- that's the exposition and there's like ah fuck it turn it off this is boring we want to eat <laughs> we want to concentrate <laughs> I on eating i love that too yeah yeah um, and it takes that it takes that stance kind of throughout i talked about earlier how this movie is it's worst when you're trying to figure out what's happening outside of just the nuclear unit and the movie does that intentionally. Like, it probably knows it can't tell the whole story. So they're just like, ah, fuck it. This is just about the family. We're keeping it just about the family. We're, we're referencing the outside world, but we're not trying to pay attention to it. Yeah, that's interesting. It has political commentary, but only from, like, the highest up perspective of, like, oh, those clowns in Congress, they sure are clowns. They Yeah, they basically include it only as a sense of it would absolutely be required to tell this story. They, they hit the bare minimum, the minimum number, the minimum pieces of flair. Right, they, they, exactly. Fifteen, I think. Um, <laughs> America bad. That's what they. That's what they have to say. Exactly, Although, and they keep like inner. I mean, and as you would in this situation, like you could go into this not caring about what your government was doing. You would still interact with the government at certain points. So they have to include that just because it's what's happening in the world. But they don't one, have to like pay much attention to it once they're outside of that quarantine zone or wherever. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's all cool stuff. Uh, did you have anything in Does Middle? Because I did not. 
so yeah, the thing I had in Does Middle is is interesting because you talked about it in Does Right, but the splintering plot lines that I think they do a good job of, I think they go a little bit too far with it at times. So I put this in Does Middle. And like the whole movie ending on him adopting the kid that his daughter <laughs> met in the stomach of a monster is like just a, a little step too far. Slapping into life and just being like, did you know my daughter? <laughs> did then, you like, know my daughter? Oh, and then also, st- <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. Um, just <laughs> I just want my daughter back. Yeah. Um, and then there's also shit like the whole lobotomy stuff. They go too far with the American government trying to color cover it up. The agent yellow stuff. Like it's it's too much. He gets a lobotomy and then holds a nurse hostage. It's all yeah. The lobotomy didn't take. <laughs> pretty insane. I can't. <laughs> so it's a little bit too much of all of that shit. Um, there's also a little bit too much of the like trying to like do a signs thing of swing swing away right of she's good at archery but bad at releasing soon enough so it's got to end with her shooting a flaming arrow into the monster's eye it's 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 a little bit reaching on that not that's not where it's at its strongest so I yeah put it I, I mean middle. I have a hard time ascribing that trope to signs but I mean I get what you're saying but that I mean that that is where. I mean, it's kind of the Chekhov's thing, but it's also yeah, it's, the movie yeah. where I think builds it the most. Like, from the very start of that movie, it's be nice to your brother and tell him to swing away, right? That's in the, like, first five minutes of that movie, and then it ends with him swinging away. So, fair. That's uh, fair, dog. <laughs> I, uh, I do think it's, like, like, the movie, I can't tell if the movie is intentionally sexist or not, but... The way oh. they treat the, the sister character. Mark, Mark we're, then we're about to move into a different segment because this was high up on my list in a different segment. Okay, what I was just going to say real quick is when they do the split up, they don't actually show mostly what, what's her name, June, I think, is doing at all. They're yeah. just like, and now she's back. They, they yep. show her checking her uh, her cell phone at one point. Let's talk about what the movie does wrong. Okay. Her name Sexism. Is Namju. Namju sexism it's insane there's a point where the two male characters are shooting the monster with rifles but their rifle i think they rifles or shotguns Shotguns. can't tell shotguns Shotguns. but they're jamming and the olympic archer is knocking an arrow to wail some fucking arrows at it and she gets tackled by the shithead alcoholic brother to be like oh get out of there what are you doing oh that's cute you want to try to hurt it but it's like hey how about let the olympic archer shoot arrows at a monster arrows kill people mark i they they do um not defending the sexism here the the real answer here is give her the fucking shotgun she's probably the best at aiming I don't know if an arrow is going to do anything to this thing unless I it's think, literally already covered in gasoline. I mean, she hits it right in the eye. That would have done something. I mean, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Let, at least let her don't it's so far away. Like it's it's 30 feet away and about to attack your brother. At least let her shoot the fucking arrow. <laughs> that's true. Let her take one shot. That would be <laughs> it's, great. It's pretty wild how much this movie is like, you're useless, let me save you, even though I'm doing a lot less than you right now. Right, and in a movie that's, that sort of, I mean, that I praised it for being funny at times, this is one of those things that I don't know if it's trying to be funny with or if this was earnest. I honestly don't either. Yeah, I have I, no yeah, idea. I'm going to have to write the director. <laughs> Let's tweet at him. I'm sure he'll respond. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you could find a feminist d- dissection of this movie, a dissertation from, I don't know, 
some some liberal Look, arts school. Jack, if we start screening our movies based off of what things have feminist dissertations written on them, then we're literally never going to be able to find a movie. Uh, I think all movies have feminist dissertations written about them at this that, point. That's my point. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, got there. We got yep. there. It took us a We minute, got there. We the Soju's really fucking me up, I'll tell you what. <laughs> it sucks, but it's great. It, it It's not great. It just sucks. I really hate it, and it's only 50%. <laughs> it's like drinking straight vermouth. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this movie, at times, I feel like we've already kind of talked about talked about all of my does wrong, uh, so these are going to sound familiar, but this movie is frequently like way too frenetic in the things it's doing, cutting between things. I like it overall, but there are points, particularly when you're expositing what's happening in the outside world, where you're like fl- snapped back to reality, and you're like, oh, Whoop, wait. There goes gravity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, back in the lab again, yo. Uh, none of this made any sense at times. That, that, that's what I was getting at. And there were a number of points where you cut back to government scientists doing things or, you know, whatever's happening in the lobotomy. And you're just like, wait a minute, hold up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, 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 stop. What? Why? Who? Who's paying attention to this? What's going on? How did he get here? Yeah, totally. Or the whole scene where the entire Korean military or agents or whatever are coming after the, uh, the brother, uh, in the office building and he... Somehow he, yeah, short he just circuits, crawls away. He short circuits the power for ten seconds, and then somehow is on the other side of a glass wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a little bit different from what I'm talking about, where I'm saying that like the world, the external story of the movie isn't strong enough to support the interconnections that it needs to, and also what you're saying, which is just that there's sort of a lack of attention to detail at times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and kind of along that kind of actually blurring the line between those two things the the agents that are trying to track them are so comically inept that there never feels like there's a sense of danger to the family like when the grandfather dies and the main character is there there are agents i mean 40 feet away that take five and a half minutes to walk those 40 feet yeah they're like, oh, we're hunting this particular guy. I see that particular guy with a gun mourning. We better give him a few minutes to mourn his father before we walk up 10 feet away from him. And the only reason they caught him is because he decided to walk back for some yeah. reason. The dude is public enemy number one. And the fastest officer, the first guy on the scene, decides to stop to check what the dude's face looks like under the newspaper. Yep. Uh, it's it's a weird thing. When he's, I mean, 12 feet away at that point. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> that's that's more or less what I'm getting at. Uh, we probably shouldn't move past this segment without also talking about some of the effects. On balance, yeah. they're good. I'm, I'm going to give this a favorable score in effects, but also there are some things here that are, they don't age well. This movie is not going to age particularly well. Well, I think, again, I think the shots of it running, right, the 20 feet away from 20, mi- 20 miles an hour, that stuff I think will hold up well and does look, still look good and will look good. But there's a lot that doesn't. The other thing I noticed here that we haven't talked about yet is in the very, very end scene when they're zooming out from the, the food shack, uh man, those snow effects are <laughs> Yikes. awful, yeah. awful, awful. Just don't do them. What? What the fuck was that for? Well, and there's Holy there, God. <laughs> there's and there's like I said, there's one scene with one of the Molotov cocktails where the fire it makes on the ground kind of looks like. Have you ever watched those videos about how they do particle effects in video games? Yeah, that one video about that. What are you talking about? 
There, no, there's you a know whole how bunch many of freaking thousands of videos you're describing right now. That's what I'm saying. There's a whole shitload of breaking down particle effects in video games from like not TGS. What's the CES? The compute consumer electronics yeah, C- expose. Whatever CES that one. does a bunch. There's a bunch on like Polygon. IGN does a bunch. Like there's a whole shitload of them. And like and like but, Pixar also presents about how they're animating snow and shit. It's right. It's like super interesting. There's there's whole demos on just how to digitally fold paper. Right, right, right. But, and, awesome. and Pixar's aren't the traditional way of doing particle effects in video games, right? Which is the the particle effects are on a flat plane in whatever direction the, the camera is looking at them, but move backwards. So, like, if you looked at it from the side, it's like a whole bunch of just flat. They're not in three dimensions, right? They're, there's a whole bunch of flat planes of these effects doing it. And the fire kind of looks like that at one point where there's two flat lines of it. Yeah, you're talking about a, the older school version of graphics, yes. The, dude, Jack, get with the times, man. It's all about ray tracing now. I still think they do that. I Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a computer, dude. <laughs> well, but you are a computer, dude. Whoa. Hold up. Hold <laughs> up. Did we just crack this egg wide open? You're, you're a lot like Jay-Z. You're not a businessman. You're a business man. Uh, me and Ernie, we're both just AI. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot else. <laughs> Shout out for Mooney. He's in the room with me. I brought him back. Nice. Um, I don't have a lot else the movie really does wrong. Uh, this sort of ties in with kind of what I've already been ragging on, but I still just don't understand what Agent Yellow is or does. Something that is billed as eliminating all biological material within a multiple kilometer radius should probably like kill the things that are directly underneath it when it goes off. Except protagonists, Mark, obviously, (laughs) but also like most people, there's a few folks that are, have like some irritation to it and are vomiting and whatever, but like, yo, there's the, there's if the this one thing shot is potent enough to kill every biological entity in a multi-kilometer radius, then uh, it's, it should melt the fuckers that are directly underneath it. There's the one shot of a line of like four people all falling to the ground, presumably dead. They don't even fall to the ground. They just get the, the smoke line just, just goes past them. They fall below the smoke line. It is heavily implied that they fall over, but nope. <laughs> if you if you go back and look, they just stay standing. They might kind of slump well, toward the end of the shot. I am going to go back and look. There's no video I... evidence, Jack. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, now we're getting into nitpicks. This is what I'm going to bridge into it with, but I don't understand how that delivery mechanism is going to spread that smoke across a several kilometer radius. That's I don't crazy. understand what the fuck it is. Just a thing on a crane. It's that's just a banana. They just unpeel a banana and smoke comes out and kills what all the bacteria. The, also, what is the yellow oozing smoke that's coming out of it that isn't the... I mean, what they actually did was drop a whole bag of dust, right? Or like dirt to make that a effect. A whole bag of dust. <laughs> But what the fuck is that? Do you think that the... Oh, shit, Jack. You might have just cracked this one wide open. Do you think the dust that is coming out of that was the same dust that was on the formaldehyde bottles? Oh, my God. Fan theory. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Nitpicks. We're doing it. We're doing nitpicks. That dust thing is so stupid. Like, just have a line about how we have to get rid of all the chemicals. I don't know, just throw them down the fucking drain. Like, you had to write so much less dialogue to make it a lot less stupid. I disagree. I like the weird neurosis thing. We, 
We've all had that boss that has that strange personality quirk. Maybe not this specific guy who seems very severe for his role in life, but I mean, I I like that little amount of detail. I think it 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 endears the movie to me. That's the guy who plays Herschel on The Walking Dead. What? Yeah, the scientist Holy who shit, hates the it? dust. Yeah, that's Herschel from The Walking Dead. From season two, the farm owner? Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't. I'm. I am frankly flabbergasted. I remember who Herschel is. I don't know why I have that piece of information in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm. I'm reeling. I don't have. I don't have a way to cope with this. <laughs> um, well, here's another nitpick for you. Squids don't have ten legs. They have two tentacle-like appendages and eight legs. Jack. What? Jesus fuck. <laughs> what? That's not even a nitpick, man. It's a nitpick. <laughs> this oh uneducated God. snack shack owner should know better. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're missing one of the legs. Oh, is it a leg or is it it's, one of it's the It's actually tentacles? one of the tentacles. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Okay, well, here's a better one for you. When the thing first shows itself and the entire crowd of people sees a giant monster dangle from the bridge and then fall into the water and then reach a tentacle out of the water and grab a can of beer and then be enormous, you don't say, is that a dolphin? Because obviously it's not oh my a God. fucking dolphin. <laughs> I also, I loved the choice of, so there's just general crowd yammering at that point. And I loved the choice of the lines that they decided to translate because the one they decided to highlight above all of the other conversations happening among the dozens of people in this crowd was like, hey, are you from Pakistan? <laughs> 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 they just saw a giant fucking tentacle come out of the water and the first line they translate is like hey are you from Pakistan I'm from Brazil and I think that was a dolphin and then they it's go a, on from there it's a Pakistani dolphin Mark <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of the silkies it's coming to get you <laughs> uh, before we get too far from the first scene that is an unnecessary amount of formaldehyde Holy shit. What the panning lab? shot of bottle after bottle after bottle. And of, then they uh, zoom out and there's different size bottles of formaldehyde? Yeah, so look, this is the manufacturing engineer in me coming out, but like get with your purchasing department and tell them to stop fucking ordering formaldehyde because <laughs> this is not a lean process. You're spending so much goddamn money on unnecessary inventory. How much formaldehyde did you ever fucking need? Very little. What are you like, oh my god. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's too much formaldehyde. <laughs> it's that's, too much. That's the best I can do to sum summarize it for you. <laughs> and given that much formaldehyde, only one thing got mutated one time. Well, I mean, if anything, that makes the most sense. For the mutations aren't just like, oh, now you're Spider Man. Mutations are usually just like, oh, now you have like seven different types of cancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you shouldn't be like a whole new species of thing and giant and an amphibian now a whole new well i assume it was already an amphibian or reptile what are squids squids are just fish squids aren't fish i mean are they're they? like they're de they're fully aquatic they are in the fish family yeah huh i'm gonna fact check that one later i mean i, I don't think, think they're fish squids are cephalopods but they're so they're cephalopodes Cephalopodes, yep, got it. Yeah, good. Uh, jumping back to also to the beginning, so they have that dude who commits suicide off the bridge. That bridge is like 
maybe 40 feet off Not the high enough to kill oneself off that of. That would be, a at best, a fun plunge off of a platform dive. You could, you you could can, hurt yourself. You could dislocate a limb. If you were actively, t- if you belly flopped, if you like went in with literally the worst possible entry angle, which he did not, you would be essentially fine. You might, you might dislocate your shoulder or like knock the air out of your lungs. That's a, you could go neck first and get your neck broken on. Entry. I don't even think that's true. <laughs> this dude, this dude sucks at committing suicide. Yeah, I mean, hey. It's National Mental Health Awareness Day or month or week or something. So, is it? Uh, yeah, it actually is. Okay. So be aware of that. Yeah, there's lots of suicide prevention help and all sorts of uh, mental health uh, people treating things. It's all good stuff. See, Mention Jack. That. See, here's the thing. Now I don't want to trivialize the message that we're sending out because that's important. Suicide prevention is is very important. If you're struggling out there, reach out. The suicide prevention hotline is out there and a good resource. Yes, but you've thrown us off track. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't not mention it when you mentioned it. I have okay, the same no, note, good though. Call, good call, I did good have call. the same note. Here, I'll get us back on track with a series of, how about this, two nitpicks and a neat pick, all in order. Okay, do it. When the monster, after it comes crashing out of the little building, right, and starts to run between the trucks, we're treated to two ridiculous things and one of my favorite things in the world. First, we get an American shithead who picks up a paving tile and, like, discusses it at the Holy, monster. We have fucking Captain America. <laughs> yeah. This dude is Bucky fucking Rogers. Oh, my Wait, God. No, Steve Rogers. And I'm confusing two different Marvel characters. Yeah, Bucky was his, like, Robin. Bucky when... was the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, no. Bu- Bucky Barnes is the Winter Soldier, but there was, like, a originally a Bucky who was his Robin when Batman first came up with Robin. They stole that. My point is, this dude is is strong beyond his years. <laughs> well, and so is the main character, because that's my second nitpick. First, you got this American guy who discuses a paving tile insanely far, and it bounces yeah, off the monster. They, the, the way they shot that, I was like, okay, he can pick it up, he can throw it, it's going to like land on the thing's tail. No, they cut to it flying through the air, like from a fucking trebuchet, yeah. hitting the thing in the back of the head, and it turns around and sees him, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, that was it's like those it's like those shots where people like shoot the basketball and it goes out of the frame. Right, and then, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just like, like it, forty feet down a down close court. a close tight up shot on just the basketball spinning on a air background like a blue background. <laughs> yeah, it was that. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what they did. But then the main character, the fucking protagonist, lifts a street sign out of the ground with I mean sixty pounds of cement still on the underside of it and swings it around. Sixty pounds is a wild underestimate. Yeah, with so much fucking concrete still stuck to the bottom of it and swings it over his head like he's fucking he's Superman. And runs with it. And runs with it. It's one thing to just sort of do like the strength hammer thing from the carnivals where you're just like letting it drop. He picks it up, runs with it vertical for a couple of feet and then drops it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I then mean, the movie damn. Then the movie makes no mention of him being a superhuman. It's like fucking when my wife took me to Les Mis, right? Here when we did a local this production is an of it. Story already. There's there are multiple scenes when the protagonist is inhumanly strong and lifts up a horse and buggy off of people, and then Javert finds him because he's inhumanly strong. But that's not... Why isn't that a plot point? The dude is a superhuman. It's more fun when they don't say it, Jack. Oh, my God. But here's the neat pick to follow it up, like I promised. Cool. The sign he lifts up... Need a signpost. Thank you. The sign he lifts up... 
is yeah. It says no trumpets. It's a trumpet with the Ghostbusters symbol around it, like the no no trumpets on this section of the river. Thank you very much. Yeah, I love that side. Really bad problem with trumpeteers. Very very much. Uh, Look, I get it. I would also have a problem with people walking around playing the trumpet badly, or it might have been a cornet. I couldn't really tell. Definitely a trumpet. Too long and big. Okay. I mean, Um, it's a cartoon, so. I I, I wanted to talk about C-O-R-E, because I don't know how to pronounce it at all, but S-E-O-R-I. They reference it five times in the movie. Five this is the, different this is like times. like the playful childhood game of stealing from people. Yeah, and I kind of <laughs> liked it, but it's like a recurring theme in this movie. I mean, they like, mention it like twice. They introduce the urchin, the urchin family, I guess I should say, the two younger kids, one of whom dies shortly thereafter, explaining what C.O.R.E. is, and then like the next scene is them talking about C.O.R.E., and then I don't think it comes back up. No, they they talk about it a lot because then it also comes back up when the the protagonist he used to be all about Cori, Cori or however oh that's you right say yeah 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 They're talk- that's up- why he's dumb he had yeah. protein deficiency because he had exactly to from it comes up a shitload but then I, I like started to look at it and apparently it's a weird cultural thing in Korea and it sounds really cool it's like where there's this era where crime of any kind was not tolerated but then everybody looked really lightheartedly on these like childhood pranks that are just also crimes but everybody loves them so it's like a weird thing i want to know more about it we should uh i wish we were more culturally able to talk about yeah me too i wish i wasn't so fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) i got another one that i want to talk about uh, which I'm not going to take a fantasy point for, but is sort of bordering on it. The varying levels of medical containment in this movie are <laughs> baffling. <laughs> this dude is supposedly it's the he was he was vomited upon or sprayed with the blood of this thing in his face, which is apparently indicative of a very serious virus that they think at this point. And here are the containment measures. So, A, he's been in a gym with a bunch of people for, like, a long fucking a time. A long time, yeah. They take him. They put him in a body bag, like a biohazard containment bag that they transport in the back of a uh, ambulance to a local hospital in. And then they take him. They, allow, they unzip the bag and allow him to just kind of sit in the bag with his, like, legs in it, but he's out of it completely, sitting directly next to his family and friends. Yep. And then later that night, they encase him in a they they put him in a bed and they hang like sheets of plastic loosely around the bag the, the bed that just have it's, air pockets. It's like a quarantine bivouac. And then the next day, he's like fully in a bubble somehow that I think people can just freely enter and exit from. Yes. Yes. What the fuck? What it is going no on? What is, what do the people sense. who wrote this movie think medical containment is? Well, also, this whole system, which is this intense, is a self-surrendering. Like, it was just a volunteer. Like, who, (laughs) hey, raise your hands. Which of you rascals came into contact with it? Which, like, most of these fuckers came into contact with it. It ran through, like, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, almost everyone was, was contacted by this. And the question they ask is, like, who was contacted by it and who contacted someone who was contacted by it? Friends yes. or loved ones. That mu- that everyone is in the same fucking room. So yeah. it's necessarily everyone. They have been mourning for hours. They have all touched <laughs> everyone. I assume both, both of the families and physically. were like this main family that rolled on the ground in front of their 
granddaughter and daughter and niece's makeshift grave. Right, exactly. As a very good example, the the daughter who is the archer comes in. She was not present for the attack. She comes in and hugs everybody. She wasn't exposed initially, but I'm assuming you still want to like you know quarantine her. Yep. Yeah. My point is, I think it's hilarious that they they have the whole scene that's like a cool shot of him. They take off the top of an ambulance and they shoot directly down of him like in the bag and there's like three or four hazmat people just like holding him down or sitting next to him. And then like literally the next scene is him just like hanging out with everybody. Sitting else. halfway in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> sitting halfway in the bag. This isn't how that works. That's, that's not how any of this works. Not at all. No. Um, my next nitpick is when his father, when the grandpa dies, right? When the protagonist's father dies. Yes. Take the fucking gun. The you, the which who are you talking about? The main, the main character, dude? John he's, Doe, or whatever. He's distraught. He like tosses the gun down next to the riverbank, which I get that that could that that's also kind of a nitpick, but I get it, right? You you're distraught, so you just throw it. Jack, he casts his nose into the ocean. It's the lowest point in the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but then when you're grieving, you get the you get the ire up to run away, right? Grab the fucking gun on your way. He just he leaves comes it back. there. Maybe that's why he came back. To get arrested. And grab the gun. Oh, my God. They let him go the first time. Maybe he thought they'd just let him come back, grab the gun, and also walk away again. <laughs> um, the, the uncle, the alcoholic college grad... I kind of think it's clever, his strategy to, like, short the power by putting a paperclip around a a power cord and plugging it into an outlet. Uh But he plugs it into a surge protector. I had this exact note. I'm pretty sure that would work if you plugged it into an outlet. I am 99.99% confident it would not work if you plug it into a surge protector. You're just going to trip the surge protector. That's the whole point of the surge protector. It's fucking insane. It it protects from surges. That's the whole point. (laughs) Too much, too many amps. Cut it off. Yeah, that was a real burn notice moment, though. Him putting the paperclip around it. Uh, no, because there wasn't any like snarky over overdubbed like narration that was happening. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, God, I fucking love burn notice. Man, that needs to, is burn notice like streamable on anything? Because it needs to be. Man, it's so good. It surprises me that it's not. I have season two on DVD, and I'm pretty sure that's the only mechanism I have to watch anything. Wow, that's crazy. Is it on Netflix? It might be on Netflix. Ooh, okay. Well, I know what my night's about. Yeah, yeah we're, we'll get back to you next week, Lesnar. <laughs> Jake, Jake finally calls into an episode where he's like, what's been rocking my horror world? Well, I watched the first four seasons of Burn Notice. <laughs> Anson's back, and I don't know what the answer's going to be to this guy. He seems like a bad fiend. <laughs> um. Hey, I uh, this one's maybe not a nitpick because maybe it just goes along with the American government was lying. But when he says he has dementia, like those aren't any in any way the symptoms of dementia. That maybe the symptoms of a hallucination. But this guy is telling a consistent story that happens to be a little bit of a crazy story. That is in no way what dementia looks like. Yeah. So I mean, you know, mental health awareness day. That's not what. That's not what that specific mental disease looks like. Right. He's present, aware, and consistent in the story he's telling. Uh, he is at best having a hallucinogenic episode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Whatever they got, they got close for 2006. That's close enough for me. <laughs> okay, we've gotten fine. we've gotten very specific with mental illness over the last 13 years. That's fair enough. Everything uh, sort of fell into the same bucket back then. 
That homeless guy had so much fucking soju. Remind me what we're talking about. Okay. The last the, the, the last scene is the Molotov cocktail scene, right? Yeah. That's set up by the uncle meeting a homeless guy and trying to buy soju bottles off of him. And the homeless oh, guy the saying- Oh, who's also just like randomly in the cab with him? Yeah. Well, because he all, says- And then the guy who pours the gasoline- yeah, exactly. He says, your money's no good here. I don't want money. It's fucking useless. And then apparently also decides, eh, but fuck it. I'll use all my booze to help you fight a monster. Hey, I'd use my booze to fight any monster. I would too, but he just, just randomly- just that kind of person. But he found a homeless guy who just happens to have 25 unopened bottles of booze around him. Yeah, he hit- the, I mean, he's a freedom fighter, man. He can sniff them out. He knows, <laughs> he knows the ones that are packing. The one- well, there could have been multiple. No, there's a line about how he's the only guy who stayed after the quarantine. Oh, well, there. You, but yeah, he's running the black market. <laughs> he's like Lawrence Fishburne from uh, the John Wick movies. Oh, Jesus. Uh, this is the last one I have, which is that the anecdote that the grandpa tells, you talked about this scene earlier where he's, <clears throat> they want to go hunt the monster and, and Jong Du or whatever the main character's name is falling asleep and both the brother and sister are mad about the fact that he constantly has to sleep and the grandfather has to explain to them why he's an idiot about his farts. His, his yeah and about his farts his his story is preposterous he starts it with you wouldn't believe how smart your brother was when he was a kid and then the next line is he looked so smart people would ask him for directions <laughs> yo that's not an indication of how smart your kid is that's an indication of how like well dressed your kid is. <laughs> That's not really evidence at all of him being intelligent. He might just be a moron through and through. <laughs> well, he definitely is a moron because of my last nitpick. Well, right, yeah. Well wait, no, your last nitpick was no, no. about a homeless person. I'm about to do my last one. The last one oh, that I have. Oh, I see that what was you're a saying. call ahead, you see. Okay, cool. Got it. Do it. He is terrible at running this snack shack. That's the worst business model I've ever seen. It's the middle of winter. There's two feet of snow. There is no one on the river whatsoever. And you apparently just spend all day running a snack shack for literally no one. Jack, have you considered that that could be their home? It definitely is their home. home. It's where they're living. But how are you making money then? How have you not burned through all your ramen? they, They live there. I'm confused what your nitpick is here. This is weird. They, just, a, they live a, in this place, and they just open a window in case anyone wanders up that they can sell things to. So how are they making money to buy the ramen in the winter months? Jack, let me ask you this. How are you making money sitting in your house right now? I'm not, but there are. I go to a day job during the day and work at it. Yeah, you don't know that they're not doing something pertaining to that, something close to that. I but guess... I mean, look, if someone came to your door right now and was like, hey, could I buy a piece of wood for $5? Would you say, no, fuck you. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I would say, no, that's weird. Why are you at my house? What if they were wearing it like a doll mask? Oh, then, yeah, absolutely. Then I'd invite him in for cocktails. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. We're on the same page. <laughs> All right. I mean, they live. What are you going to do? Move your goddamn house off of the. What do you want? This is weird. This is a weird nitpick. Of all the points you could have focused on how dumb this guy is, you chose the one where he just happens to live in the place that he lives in. How's he making money? Where are the other shacks? Why is this the only one that stays in the winter months? Uh, because they're dedicated to their craft. <laughs> then that's dumb. Then their dedication is stubborn and dumb. Okay, well, 
flash forward to 10 years from now where their food stand is like a staple. It has like a Michelin star. Yeah, it's like uh, Jiro's Sushi Shack. Yeah, exactly. Yo, you want you want your eight tentacles and two arms fried correctly? Go to this guy. <laughs> Not fried, it's grilled, but fine. No, oh, oh my God, Jesus Christ! Let's go to ratings. Fuck, Jesus! <laughs> God damn it, Jack! You ruined it! You ruined this one. We over ADC horror use a one through ten rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how Miles would rate his desire to drink Merlot. And if they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. No, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot! And for ten, think about Bruce Dickinson. Yes, THE Bruce Dickinson. Write the importance of Cowbell on his hit records. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more Cowbell. Stories the first category to these movies. Uh, I guess I picked it, so I'm going to go first. And I'm going to give it a six for story. Um, I think it's it's... Good. I like the way they interweave everything together. They do a little bit too much. And Mark, like you said, it's very baffling if you start to think about anything beyond the immediate characters a little bit too much. So I'm giving it a six. Mark. I like I like how you kind of hesitate it. Like that that was a great window into Jack's psyche. He definitely doesn't write down his ratings, so he's just like, ah, it feels like a six to me. Yeah. Go back, go back 30 seconds and listen to how he did that. He was like, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, <laughs> my scores are organic, Mark. They're not pre-prepared like some horseshit fast food company. Like artisanal. Quiznos? I get have real artisanal scores. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, my my score is an artisanal eight. Um, I love the main characters here. I think that's what makes this movie hum. That the way they can cross cut between a bunch of different things happening at once, and each of them is interesting and unique in their own right, is why I'm not upset that this movie is as long as it is. That didn't even come up in the nitpicks or the does wrong section, right? And this is two hours plus, something like yeah, that? Yeah, like it's either almost two hours or just a little bit over. It's right around two hours, yeah. And this this is probably the longest movie that we've skipped talking about how long it is. I think that's probably true, yeah. Which is a very good endorsement of the story being a high category. Um, I went ahead and threw the external world into the world building stuff, so I'll talk about that in a second. But I think the the basic core competency of this movie is the story. Uh, it's why you're watching it. It's why you're captivated. 100%, which is going to take us into our second category, world building and immersion. I also gave it a six for this. It's, it is hard with foreign movies like this, especially ones that have as big of cultural differences as this one has with our culture, but I am still engrossed in this movie, and I do think they build a fantastic world, and a lot of that is <laughs> exemplified by the fact that they like blend together shooting on location with shooting in sets really, really fantastically well. So, Mark, what's your score? So, here's the funny thing. I went higher, uh, and I had basically the same notes, but I had the additional note of I'm knocking it a few points for having a terrible like background narrative. Or maybe not terrible, but just like poorly explained. Uh, I really love the world building here. And I'm sort of, we, we kind of go back and forth on this. I feel like I am more inherently immersed in foreign movies where I have to read the subtitles because I'm like physically incapable of checking other. I can't look at my phone and also pay attention to this movie right, because right. I need to be paying attention. So that, in a way, sort of sucks me in through. Uh, it's more or less like it's a cheap tactic, but like it works. So whatever. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like you said, the world building that they do, that they use the the cinematography to create both with the cell, whatever you want to call it, the storm drain that Sion Ho 
I really wish I remembered anyone's name in this movie. Yikes. The daughter uh, is trapped in for most of the thing. I also keep going back to like the scene in the telecom building where they have this like really tight shot where they're riding up in the elevator, and then the general like Mission Impossible vibe is they're like going around the cubicle farm and stuff. See, that took me out. That took you out. See, I think that's a great example of like this movie just bends and shifts and is super flexible about how it tells these stories and like adapts to the moment to tell sort of like different sides of the thing and build different aspects of the world. I thought that was great. It was a little weird that people were still in this like gigantic quarantine zone, but I mean, whatever. I thought it still worked really well. I gave it a six and a half for immersion. I've been talking for way too long. Fuck it. Fair enough. Scare factor is our third category. Mark, what is your scare factor score? We're going out of order, huh? I gave it a five. No, we're um, not. You tip. This is your movie. You go first. Oh, that way. I thought you meant I got the category wrong, and I got very defensive. I came at you hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. I gave. Well, not really. I gave it a five. Um. Creature features are not. They generally don't do it for me. That they're not really my thing. Um. At least from us. I look. I love creature features, but they're not particularly scary. I guess is what I'll clarify that to mean. Um. And the one thing that this could have done well that does get under my skin, it did not do, which is like if the creature were lurking underneath the surface. I thought they were going to do more of that with the very opening scene of the dude uh, committing whatever, jumping off the jumping off the bridge, where he's like, "There it is, it's under the water," and they have like You're one all or two fools. scenes. Of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they have one or two scenes of the thing like swimming around under the water, but like they never, it never like pulls people down or whatever, which is what I kind of want to see for that to work for me. So it's, you know, it's a creature feature. I gave it, it's slightly lower than average. It's not going to haunt my nightmares or anything. Yeah, I give it a four. It's very similar to your score. I think what was pulling me down a little bit more is just the wild ineptitude of these characters that still somehow managed to survive. Like if they could do it, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be absolutely fine. It's like, how do you balance comedy with a trench full of humans? Right, exactly. humans. Yeah. That's so heavy. I mean, the fact that, like, he, the main character is such a fucking buffoon and, like, he's fine throughout the whole thing makes me feel like I'll probably be fine, so I'm not that scared. He's got plot armor. He's immune to something that kills biological things. And a fucking lobotomy. <laughs> he's immune to lobotomies. <laughs> is the implication here that he's too dumb he's to be lobotomized? He's so dumb he can't be lobotomized? Maybe. That seems like a strange character trait. <laughs> That's going to take us into effects or judicious lack thereof. Mark. So, okay, so we just fully switched the order. Uh, oh, no, Jack. Uh, I gave it a six for effects or judicial lack thereof. I think that there's some really, really effective stuff that's going to stand the test of time, and it's some very ineffective CG that isn't going to and didn't. Mark. I gave it a six and a half. We're basically in lockstep on this, but I guess I'm, I like this movie more than you did, I question mark. I'm upwardly inflecting that. I'm curious what you're going to give it on overall. The monster looks objectively cartoonish. There, There's no way I can sincerely defend the way the monster looks in this movie, but on a subjective personal level, I loved it. I want to see all of it always. I they 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 do a really interesting thing here where they show it initially and then you don't see it again for like 45 minutes or something. I didn't actually time it. I don't know how long it was. But it it was almost like a distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of type of thing. Like by the time the thing by the time it showed back up to attack that one random uh, biohazard worker thing. I was like, yeah, the monster's back. <laughs> I mean, I grew, you're like, definitely... weirdly emotionally attached to this thing every time it showed up. You were definitely more charmed by the close-up shots of the monster than I was. That's uh, that's definitely true. Um, yeah. Anyways, the monster itself, 
take it or leave it. I think it looks good. But even beyond that, this movie's more than just the monster. It has a truly phenomenal sense of setting and props and I mean, to a slightly lesser extent, costuming and and makeup. But you know, they they do that type of approach to Xian Ho as she like kind of ages throughout the film, getting more and more gritty and covered in mud and like that same kind of schoolgirl uniform uniform that she has to remind you that she is just like a twelve year old who's stuck in a fucking storm drain. You know what? That's a good point. They also do like mature up the protagonist. He's like a shithead in sweatpants at the start, but then they you change his outfit run. to be like hospital gown shit stuff. So he's they change him up too. Yeah. It's a good exactly. Point. So I yeah. mean I'm I feel like I feel like this mo- this should be much higher. I'm heavily penalizing it for the fact that one of the main characters is a giant cartoon dog. <laughs> yeah, it does look a lot like the Hellhounds from the original Hellboy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, six and a half was what I gave it. Fair enough. That's going to take us into overall. I'm giving this a seven overall, which is a bump up, um, I think, from the aggregate of my scores. But, uh, man, I, I like this movie a whole lot. It's fun to watch. It's a good movie. The funny parts are funny. The scary parts are a little bit scary. It And it just fucking works. It works. When you put it all together, it works. It's a seven. Mark. I've been a half point above you for the rest of these. I might as well say a half point above you. I gave it a seven and a half. Uh, and I should say I actually had that written down beforehand. That was pure happenstance. This is the uppest of quartiles, as Jake would say if he were here. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Fully under misunderstanding how quartiles work. Yes. Um, but seriously, though, this is that's right where it should be. This is among the best creature feature movies I've seen. It was entertaining. It was riveting at times. It was endearing. And I would go back and watch this in a heartbeat. And aside from, I mean, the length is a hard one to fit into an evening when you get home a little bit later. But I, I'm going to make a note to include this one, throw it back on every once in a while. I, I love this movie. This is a great, this is a great choice. Yeah. Whoever, yeah. Who, whatever the name of your roommate was, whatever his social security number was, if you want to share it with us, that'd be great. Um, He's a smart fella. He, he <laughs> made a good choice here. Yeah. Man, how did I not even do a joke about how we watched 2013's The Host starring Saoirse Ronan? Saoirse Ronan, yeah. <laughs> Forgot to do that joke. In any case, yeah, good movie. Mark, you want to guess the fuck out of here? Nope. Thumbs up, thumbs down. We both give it a thumbs up. What is the point of this segment? <laughs> uh, I think it's for us to quantify to, well, yeah. I don't know. It's to to reinforce the overall segment. I gave it a thumbs up. You should see this movie. It's great. Yep, gave it a thumbs up. Watch this. It's worth it. Yeah. Jack, you want to get us the hell out of here? Oh, my God. This has been episode 150-something of the A to Z Horrorcast. Jesus Christ. Um, 156. 156. To check out everything we have going on, you can head on over to a to z horror.com with a hyphen or check out those links in the description below oh right good the links are also to twitter and to uh instagram holy maybe? shit just um, just 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 stop <laughs> <laughs> man the sujo is really fucking me up <laughs> you did it so well last time i don't know where you were throwing it to me Come on, Maggie, 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 Maggie.
As I said at the top of the episode, if you like what we have going on and want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror. Um, as always, the music you've been hearing has been coming at you from Super Bear. That's Super Bear spelled in the way you wouldn't expect it to be spelled. Um, you might expect it at this point. <laughs> you might have. We've, we've, made, we've made this joke for 156 weeks in a row. <laughs> no, we made a whole shitload of jokes when it was space without the A. And now it's Super Bear with an A. We don't know how to make a joke out of this one is what we're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. In any case, um, so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Next week, Mark, what are we going to be watching? Uh, We're not going to be watching something next week. We're going to be giving you a whole slew of original and interesting content. We got the Idaho Horror Film Festival coming up. Oh, shit. Is that next week? That is next week. I'm going to be in town. We're going to be recording live. It's probably not going to sound great, but sure as hell, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fucking Um, blast. Bear with us. <laughs> uh, look, in years past, we've given you three or four episodes based around this. We're going to do some interviews. We've got some very special guests coming up. Uh, just stay tuned to our episode, to our uh, podcast feed. And in about two weeks, we'll be visiting American movie. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll be visiting American movie. Um, so look forward to that. Look forward to the Idaho Horror Film Festival. I know I am. And until then... Thanks for listening. Grab some beers, grab some buddies, and go watch some horror movies. Have a great weekend, friend. That's true, and I'm drinking my soju out of a Mr. Potato Head mug here.